0: Jen Rashard is no stranger to Atlanta. She's an Emory graduate who spent time early in her career as an operator with multiple D2C e-commerce startups. Today, she's a principal at LA-based Bonfire Ventures, which focuses on leading seed rounds for B2B software companies. Jen and I dive deep on the current state of seed stage investing. We also talk about how founders can differentiate themselves as they pitch investors and the importance of storytelling while pitching prospective investors. Jen will also be here for Venture Atlanta this week, and she shouts out many of the events that she'll be at during the conference. This was such a fun episode to record, so let's jump right in. Atlanta Innovation Week is here, headlined by Venture Atlanta, which, for the first time in conference history, sold out two weeks early. We're looking forward to participating in this week's festivities. You can find me at several events this week, including judging startup battle tomorrow evening, and then also at the investor dinner immediately following. Later in the week, I'll also be at the Spellman Innovation Lab talking with Atlanta University Center students about building decks, finding the right investor for their company, and basically all things fundraising. Also, Valor general partner Lisa Calhoun will be at Venture Atlanta in the first half of the week. And then making her way to San Francisco the second half of the week to participate in the 2022 RAISE Global Summit. It's certainly a busy week ahead, but we're excited to see many of you out and about in the city of Atlanta. Now, back to the episode for today. Jen, so great to see you. Thank you so much for being on with us today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be on.
0: Yeah, it it was nice seeing you in Tulsa a few weeks back, and I'll see you again soon. Uh, here at Venture Atlanta, but this is a conversation I've been really looking forward to. I know you are an Emory grad. Uh, you spent some time as an operator and you're also a Kaufman fellow and now a principal with Bonfire. So I would love for you to tell us more about your background and, and string it all together here for us.
1: Sure. It's interesting. Whenever I tell this story, I think that I'm able to string it together in a way that makes a lot of sense. But when I was in the moment, um, I didn't quite know what was next. And so I did go to Emory. So I spent some time in Atlanta. Um, I was an English major, so definitely didn't pick a major that was going to um prepare me for this career path, although there's a lot of uh, writing required. So I guess it's helpful. But after I went to Emory, I spent a year in France teaching English to public school students. Um, so I did apply my English degree for a little bit. I came back, um, I'm actually from LA. So I came back home to LA after um, my stint in Europe and uh, joined Creative Artists Agency. It's a um, a huge media and inter- entertainment um, agency. And so there, I was in the speakers department where we were representing talent around, um, the agency and private events, corporate events. And we also had our own roster, um, which was mainly business people, tech entrepreneurs, um, business authors. And so that's when I first got exposed to tech. And I knew that I didn't see myself in a long-term, um, entertainment career, but, um, what our, uh, clients were talking about in the tech industry was really interesting. So I ended up jumping ship, maybe I, this must have been back in um, 2014, um, to join a startup in LA called Prizio, uh, which was a crowdfunding platform to help celebrities raise money for charity. I was there for a couple of months before the founders uh, sold that company and started another company called represent.com, which was an ad tech platform to allow um, digital marketers to create and sell custom apparel. And so I ran the e-commerce portion there, um, doing some front end of the website, managing engineers, and also all of the back end logistics and support. After about two and a half years, that company was acquired by Custom Inc. out of D.C. um, And one of the founders left to start a um, women's fashion accessories Pure Play DTC company. Um, so I left with him as employee number two and built out e commerce there. Um, stayed for a little over a year before deciding to take a step back and really think about what I saw for myself um, as a future career path. So I decided to um, go to business school at UC Berkeley um, while continuing on part time at Pop and Suki ended up getting an internship in venture there. And um, the rest is history. I've been in venture for almost five years now and just had an incredible experience that summer during the transition.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And I I love the culmination of experiences that you all have and probably really shapes your perspective as an investor now from operating for so long in the industry. So in Bonfire is LA based, is that correct?
1: yeah 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 tell
0: us more about bonfire you know the thesis what types of companies you all are investing in things like that
1: Yeah, we are seed firms so we um lead seed rounds in b2b software and you know i think in the past couple of years especially um everyone has a different definition of what seed is and so the way we define seed is um, companies with a product in market, early traction, our entry point is usually around 500K in ARR. We are typically writing a 2 to $3 million lead check into a 3 to $5 million seed round and pricing the round, setting up the board. And we're very, very hands-on. Um, so we are typically, we do... Um, this onboarding workshop with our founders when they start that ends up being around 16 hours over the course of a few weeks. Um, We are meeting with our founders anywhere from weekly to monthly, but I think typically bi-weekly. And our aim is to be our founder's first call even past the seed round, um, which is something that I think we earn through the partnership.
0: No, I love that. So yeah, you're, you're doing everything, you know, a lead investor would do, right? Writing a larger check around pricing around joining the board, taking a, a hands on approach to helping companies really at this early stage build, scale and grow. So, you know, as you kind of think about the the various sectors that you all invest in. What are like the firm sectors that you all focus on? And then I'm sure like from your personal experience, you probably have an interest towards like e-commerce in, in, in DDC channels like that as well.
1: Yeah. So as a firm, we're generalists within B2B software. So we do like enterprise deals, enterprise SaaS. We'll do like sales enablement, DevOps. Gosh, like, I mean... Pretty much anything within B2B, we will take a look. I have found that pulling back and just having a little bit more of a focus on either um, verticals I'm passionate about or verticals I have experience in, it's just a better approach for myself. And so my focus is, um, as you mentioned, e-commerce tech, SMB tech, vertical SaaS, which often overlaps with SMB tech. And then um, more opportunistically, I'll look at anything that's being led by a woman or a diverse founder.
0: Got it. Interesting. And so what fund are you all investing out of currently?
1: Yeah, so we're currently investing out of um, Core Fund 3 and Opportunity Fund 2. So we closed our core fund earlier this year, which is, I think, $168 million, Um And then our opportunity fund, I believe it's around 60 million. And that is a growth fund that we reserve capital for our later stage companies that are performing really well, as well as a small allocation for growth companies that we missed at seed, but have some kind of connection to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, Jen, you know, I, you and I were catching up before the call here today and like, we were just discussing how we're we're both pretty active right now on the deal front and and finding new opportunities and you know with that comes hearing a lot of pitches so I'm I'm wanting to know from your perspective as an investor who probably hears you know hundreds of pitches each month you know what makes a pitch uh, stand out to you and and what should founders be doing to differentiate themselves in the markets right now where investors are you know on the hunt to find the best companies. What can a founder do to separate themselves from the pack?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say that one thing that should seem obvious, but it's just not, is just bringing some energy and passion to your pitch. I mean, there are so many um, founders that will pitch me and I leave the call just kind of thinking, you know, do you actually care about this problem you're solving? Like are you just starting this to make money? And I just don't feel that passion for what they're solving. And so I would say that's one. I would say another um really important piece is to just really know the competitive landscape of what you're um building in and and be sure to reference it in the in the meeting because It's just never a good look when you're in a meeting and an investor says, well, what about this company in your space? What do you see them as a competitor? And you've never heard of the company or you don't bring up competition because you want to pretend like there is no competition. I think that just showing that you really know this market and that you know your customer and that you know your competition is just so important.
0: Yeah. I that's the one i hear a lot. Oh, we don't have competition. We don't have any competitors right now. I'm just like, interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah, i don't know about that.
0: <laughs> no, it's totally like, okay, well, next topic. And you know, typically i think when an investor is bringing up competition in the space, they probably already have a list of maybe 3 to 5 competitors that are either direct or adjacent to you in some capacity. So they're they're looking to see how well do you know who else is building in this market. And, and you know, if a competitor you don't even know is there, can they come up you, you know, disrupt the market, capture some of yeah. your market share. So uh, I think that's a very important aspect of pitching that founders should really over-index on because the competitive landscape is continuously evolving. There's New entrants into the market daily. So I think that's a great point that you brought up.
1: Yeah. And I think one more thing is that, you know, every once in a while I will get a pitch for a company that truly doesn't have um, competition. But I think in that case, it's important to really dial down on, you know, what are your customers doing now and um, how are they currently solving this problem? And What other tools are they kind of lacing together where you can really, like if there's no competition, you don't want the investor to feel that this isn't a legitimate problem. So just finding a way to say like, this is the pain point. And if someone hasn't solved it already, this is why it's a huge opportunity to solve. And this is why customers are not content with the status quo. So hopefully that's helpful yeah
0: like you said there there will be instances where there probably is no competition but i think that's the opportunity for you as the founder to really talk about your wedge into the market and why you're going to be the one that customers call on to solve this problem that is being used by antiquated manual solutions right now in the market so yeah yeah yeah. great call out jennifer and i know you also were on like a panel or webinar a few months back talking about the importance of storytelling while pitching i would love to get some of your insights on how founders yeah. can, can sort of paint this arc of of the the customer journey through their pitch
1: yeah so at Bonfire, one of our um, partners, Brett, who's also going to be in Atlanta for venture, He actually has a blog post about this, and he's very passionate about it. and um and it's just something that we really try to um inspire into our founders is that storytelling is just everything. And um, we have to story tell when we pitch to LPs, limited partners who are our investors. Um, founders need to be able to tell a compelling story, um, to get us excited. Founders need to be able to tell a compelling story to get customers excited. And so I think it just speaks on just this broader, um, notion of storytelling when you have a limited amount of time to, um, deliver a message to an important potential stakeholder. How are you going to get that done? What elements do you start with? You know, like, what's your middle? What's your hook at the end? I mean, it's even something as simple as, you know, what is your last slide in your deck? Is it a call to action? And I think that, you know, the deck itself is so important when it comes to storytelling that you think about, you know, if I were to send you a company that I'm interested in investing, and I want to pull you in, a lot of times you're looking at the deck with no voiceover. And so how does your deck alone, just tell a story that you're not able to, um, to speak over? And how does it get people excited? And so When we talk to our founders about pitching, even as they go into later stages, we really want to focus on, you know, even if you're having a conversation with someone, how are you making sure that you're just telling a compelling story of where you've been, where you are and where you're going that will get people excited to want to take more meetings and go back and tell their team?
0: Yeah, that's so true. The the best pitches are really a story that's being told from the perspective of, you know, this problem that you may have had firsthand experience with your aha moment as a founder for saying, hey, I can build X, Y, and Z software or solution to solve this problem. And then maybe your, your journey of early customer discovery and validation, then you know transitioning to building the product and what the product does. And then maybe even talking about a, a customer case study and some of the outcomes yeah. and then you know talking about what's next for the business and then like you said a call to action i think that's a piece of the pitch and the deck that a lot of pitches do miss is this actual call to action like how can an investor be this advocate for you at the end of the day so i, I love that that you mentioned the call to action piece
1: yeah, yeah, I think you nailed it spot on.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, I want to transition the conversation here a bit. The the markets are in a pretty interesting place, right? You had a lot of federal stimulus that was pumped into the market over the last couple of years. Interest rates were low, but now it's like everything has done a complete, you know, 180 and and now valuations are coming back down from historic highs. What are you all seeing in the market right now and, and how is that impacting kind of your investment cadence and, and strategy?
1: Yes, as you mentioned, over the past couple of years, um, the well, since COVID, the market has been incredibly frothy and we were seeing a ton of just um, really inflated uh, valuations um, in comparison to what the the historical norms have been. Over the past couple of years, I would say we remained very active, but we have always been a more price disciplined firm. And it's for our benefit and our economics, but also for the benefit of the founders. And as you enter into this year where the markets are crashing and we're seeing some corrections, I think that the founders that raised in the past two years with these really inflated valuations are going to have a lot of trouble. And that's part of the reason why we find it so important to, um, to stay disciplined because you never know what the next year is going to bring. So for instance, if you're a seed company, you know, that raised at a 30 million um, pre money valuation with barely any traction last year. And right now you're seeing, you're seeing series a valuations fall to like, you know, a 30 to 40 um, million average, it's going to be really hard for those seed companies that raise to be able to get the step up that they wanted. You're going to see a lot of flat rounds and in some cases, some down rounds. And so I think that's why our, our approach has always been the way it is. With that said, you know, this year we have continued to be very active in the market. As I mentioned, we have a new fund, um, and so we have money that we need to deploy, but we've also seen a lot of really great opportunities. And so we're continuing to invest. We're continuing to stay price disciplined, although that has been easier, of course, this year because valuations as a whole have um, have fallen. And it just sets our companies up for success at the next round because um, I think we have an 80% Graduation rate from seed to Series A, and so we're continuing to see our companies get the markup that they want and just continue to show progress, hit their milestones. And so, um, when it comes to our the later stage companies in our portfolio, um, you know, it's a bit of a different story. I think seed has seed and pre seed have been somewhat protected. I think when you start looking at series A and beyond, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of later stage firms, um, series A and beyond firms have just been um, a lot less active this year, waiting to see um, what's going to happen in the market. A lot of company, the the best companies will always be able to raise, but I think a lot of the companies that, you know, have struggled or um, haven't quite hit the growth milestones that they need are having trouble raising. And so, our advice has been, you know, like do some rifts, reduction in force layoffs, find ways to save money, reduce burn and extend your runway and try to hold out for as long as you can and in hopes that the market will change. But we're also realistic in that this might be the reality for another two or three years. So it's tough to give advice um, for the companies that are impacted the most.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned something that was a common theme throughout that was discipline. Um, you I think you have to have discipline as an investor and discipline as a founder to take on the appropriate amount of capital and, and not set yourself up for a potential flat round or down round at the next capital raise. So it's it's something that, you know, it's hard to 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 put into practice sometimes, but I think firms like Bonfire and Valor. Are very strong in their discipline because you you have to think in terms of cycles. What what happens in the market, and you, you kind of know that there has to be a, a top somewhere, and you know that valuations are going to come down. So discipline is key. And I know you you mentioned Venture Atlanta; it's literally just right around the corner. Talk to us more about you know that. I'm excited for you to to be here in this city and any festivities that you all are participating in and. I think Bonfire may have a couple of Atlanta investments as well. So feel free to give them a shout out.
1: As I mentioned, I went to college in Atlanta, so it's a bit of a homecoming for me. So really excited. And just to see, um, you know, from 10 years ago when I was in school to um, what the tech ecosystem is looking like now in Atlanta is just really exciting and um, I'm really excited to see where the ecosystem is going. We do have two investments in Atlanta that we're excited to board and see in person. Um, one is Flowpath, which is in the facilities management space, and the other is Torial, which is helping your like software companies provide a hands-off demo um, on their website. Um, really cool product. So, um, shout out to both of them. We are starting to just see more and more opportunity come out of the Atlanta market. And um, that's why we are so excited to go to Venture Atlanta, um, you know, get our feet on the ground, meet more people, um, meet with founders while we're there and just kind of see what's going on in the space. And in terms of events, I know I'm going to the Goody Nation event. Um, There's a Venture Crawl. I will be at the conference. I will be at the Techstars event on Monday. I think there's also um, an investor dinner on Wednesday. Um, there's a few other investors I'm getting together with that I know on um, Thursday before I head out. And so my calendar is pretty jam packed and I'm just Love so it. excited. Um, yeah, about like all I'm going to get to do while I'm there. It's going to be a really productive trip.
0: Yeah. Venture Atlanta is going to be such a great time. I know Valor is uh, helping sponsor the event as well. And yeah, we're going to be at a plethora of events. So I'll definitely see you around. And some of our founders who are avid listeners will probably bump into you as well. So what's the best way that somebody can get in touch with you regarding a a pitch or sending their opportunity over to your investment team?
1: Yeah. So if you go to our website, which is bonfirevc.com, Um, There's a way to connect with um, each person on our team um, and a way you can also, I think, send a general email. I think that that's the best way. And, you know, we all are generalists, but we also each have different specialties or different backgrounds that lend more to certain categories than others. And so I think that going back to the pitch point, I think that that's another tip I have for founders is if you want to connect with a firm, try to find a person on the team that you have the most synergy with. So maybe you went to the same school as them. Maybe they worked in the category you're building in. Maybe they've spoken on a podcast, like me and SMB Tech, like, if you're um if you're building a SMB tech um com- like product, then please reach out to me. And so try to find someone that that you think will resonate with your problem the most.
0: Yeah, because it's like when you get a cold outreach that's like so generalized, and it's just like ah okay, let me read it. You know, you read it, you take yeah. it. Like when you get something that's like, hey, Jen, I, I love that you're on the board of X, Y, and Z company. You know, we're building in a similar or adjacent space. Would love to yeah. get thoughts. Like, thoughtfulness goes a long way, especially when you get, you know, 10, 20, maybe 30 inbound pitches a week. It's it's like, how do you separate yourself as a founder? Totally. Cold outreach. So, yeah, Jen, you, you really dropped uh, some gems to the hill in the podcast. So, I appreciate you joining me and looking forward to seeing you soon at Venture Atlanta.
1: Thanks so much for having me. And yeah,
2: see you in a little over a week.
0: Thanks, Jen. Take care.
2: We're thrilled to have you as an Atlanta Startup Podcast listener. To help you get the most out of the experience, let me invite you to three insider opportunities from our host, Valor Ventures. First, want to be a guest on this amazing show? Reach out to our booking team, at com, Click on Booking. It's a no-brainer from there. Are you raising a seed round? Valor definitely wants to hear from you. Share your startup story at valor.vc forward slash pitch. Are you a woman or minority-led startup? valor's sister program the startup runway foundation gives away grants to promising startups led by underrepresented founders the mission of the startup runway foundation is connecting underrepresented founders to their first investors startup runway finalists have raised over 40 million dollars See if you qualify for one of these amazing grants at startuprunway.org. You can also sign up for our next showcase for free there. Let me let you go today with a shout out to Startup Runway presenting sponsor, Cox Enterprises, and to our founding partners, American Family Institute. Truest, Georgia Power, Avanta Ventures, and Innovators Legal. These great organizations make Startup Runway possible. Thanks for listening today and see you back next week.